Paul's letter to the Philippians. Thanks, John. Okay, the Bible reading this morning is taken from Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18, and can be found on page 830 in the Pew Bibles. The heading is Paul's Change chains advance the gospel now i want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel as a result it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that i am in chains for christ because of my change most of the brothers in the lord have been encouraged to speak the word of god more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. Praise God. today that I might be able to speak clearly, that will understand the words that you've given, that we'll be able to apply them to our daily living. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One day the devil decided to have a garage sale. I'm sure you'd be fascinated to attend that one. And on the day of his sale, his tools were placed open for public inspection. And each mark was marked with its sale price. And there were treacherous lots of implements that were there. There was hatred and envy and jealousy, deceit, lust, lying, pride, and a whole range of other implements were there. But set apart from the rest was a very harmless looking tool. But it was very worn and its price was incredibly high. What's the name of this tool? asked one of the customers pointing to it. And Satan said, that's discouragement. Why is it priced so high? says the customer. Because it's the most useful tool that I have. I can pry open and get inside any person's heart with this tool, even when I can't get near them with any of the other tools. It's badly worn because I use it almost on everyone. And since so few people know, it actually belongs to me. So the devil's price for discouragement was high because it's his favourite tool. And you know what? I believe it's still his favourite tool. He's still using it on God's people. Discouragement, it works so well. And I'd put money on it. I'm not a betting person, but I'd put money on it that you've experienced discouragement. Yeah? Am I right? 
right? Every one of us gets discouragement in our lives. We all felt it tearing away at our hearts at some time, perhaps even right now. But the Bible, the living word of God, it's most useful in defending ourselves against the devil's attack of discouragement especially. Listen to what the Apostle Paul had to say in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See, Paul, he's what the, at that moment, what he's doing is he's parrying the blow from Satan. Satan's trying to use this tool to open Paul's heart because Paul is in prison, which is not helpful for a man who's supposed to be preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. This is very discouraging. However, Paul has the right attitude in these circumstances. Paul knows that despite any of his circumstances, he knows God rules. God rules, despite the circumstances that were facing Paul. And I love the way, when I, when I read Paul's writings, I, I really enjoy it because you just can't beat this guy. He's so very positive and upbeat about so many things. Look at his situation for the moment. He's in maximum security prison. He's probably in Rome, in jail. And within the thick walls of the prison, he's, he's chained to a succession of guards. And he's a prisoner. He's a prisoner for Christ. He's a victim of the hate that's being shown towards the followers of Jesus. Now, Paul could have just bemoaned his situation in jail. He's sitting in some dark, dingy cell. He's chained to some bloke. He could just be moaning about it. But he doesn't do that. He's not totally discouraged. He doesn't see what a, and say, what a mess my life's become. Not at all. So let's focus on, on two of the negatives and see how Paul overcomes them with an amazingly healthy attitude. And whilst we're doing this, I want you to look at your own attitude. This is not just about Paul. This is about you. This whole sermon series is about our attitudes because our attitude makes a difference. Last week, we looked at the attitude of gratitude and how that transforms our thinking and transforms our circumstances. Today, we're going to have a look at a different attitude. But let's have a look, first of all, at Paul's loss of freedom. God has appointed Paul. He's been appointed as the apostle to the Gentiles. He's to go to the Gentiles. Now, when you think of a missionary, that's a person who's free to roam about the place and preach the gospel, aren't they? That's what they're supposed to do. Paul's supposed to be doing that. And yet here he is. He's in prison. He's restricted to a few square meters. He has no chance of seeing his friends or preaching the word very much at all. How frustrating that must have been for him. Because prior to this, he's, he's, he's got public meetings. Anyone can come. He's teaching people. How would you feel in a time like that? Hemmed in by life? Not free to do what you'd like to do? Have you had that situation? All of a sudden, the circumstances get around you and you're just squashed in this little place. You can't move. You can't do things. And we feel frustrated sometimes because we're restricted by some kind of situation, just like Paul, chained to the guards, no hope of freedom. So what can we learn from, from Paul's attitude to that painful and humiliating situation? Because it must be humiliating for a man like him who's used to be wandering around in the public and preaching the gospel. Now he's stuck in this little place, doing nothing much at all, it seems. So Paul looked at the negative. He's a realist. He knew he was in prison. He understood that. But he commits himself to God. And Paul could look beyond the negatives to see the positives that had come from the imprisonment. 
And he tells us of, of two. First of all, the first benefit he sees, it has become known through the whole city that he was in prison because of his faith in the person of Jesus. See, the people previously, they would have said, they would have seen Paul. He's running meetings. He's talking to people. He's running his own version of Christianity Explained, Paul style. Right? They, they would remember, you remember that bloke? He's running these meetings. Yeah, well, they threw him in jail. And they're gossiping the gospel to one another now. They're talking to each other. Do you remember him, don't you? Say, yeah, I was going to his meeting next week. I'm not gonna, I can't go now. You can imagine the conversations that have been going on. I'm just surmising. What are people are saying to one another? That bloke, he was turning the place upside down and now they've locked him up. I wonder why. Maybe he was telling the truth after all, and they're scared of him. You can imagine what goes on in people's minds. I mean, you do it. Talk to one another, don't you? The gossip that happens, the stories that come out. Incredible. Imagine what would be going on here. See, Paul, he could have just been locked up and just forgotten about, but he saw the opportunity of what had happened to him. He was in prison, yes, but he also realized he had a captive audience. And he used that. There's at least one guard that had to give his undivided attention to Paul for several hours because he was chained to a guard. Oh, well, let's talk. <laughs> you can imagine, you're going, oh, here we go. I can't get away. Paul used that time well. He says the whole palace guard was talking about his faith in Jesus. The name of Jesus was now being heard at all different levels of society because he was in jail. He used that as an opportunity to preach to his jailers. And they're all talking to one another now, going like, that bloke, oh, it's your turn next. Are you, imagine what he's going to tell you about. Sharing the gospel. So he saw that as a benefit. The second benefit, in verse 14, Paul recognizes that his restriction in prison has encouraged others. Listen to what he says. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. We are all brothers and sisters, aren't we? We should all be actually courageously and fearlessly be preaching the word of God. That's the first application of that little passage. I guess, oh, we should all be doing something. That's not just for the bloke who's up the front making the big noise. It's for all of us to be sharing the gospel. And all of these people were encouraged to speak the word of God courageously and fearlessly despite the chains that were there. So the others that have seen Paul now imprisoned are encouraged to be bold about this. They saw how Paul kept at his task to share the good news no matter what the circumstances. So Paul, he looked for and he found the positive in his negative situation. I think being in jail is negative. But Paul saw a positive coming out of that. His captive audience, number one. And secondly, all the brothers had gotten bold all of a sudden. They're like, well, who's going to do the preaching? Paul can't preach. Well, it must be your turn and my turn and your turn as well. So let's go and share this message. It seems to be having some impact around here. So the question we need to ask ourselves, when things happen to us, where is God in all of this? That's a tough question sometimes to answer. Where is God in this and what is God doing? I often ask myself those questions when I'm faced with circumstances. Where is God and what is he doing? I must admit at times I'm going like, I've got no idea. I have to leave it up to him. But I know he's up to something. And I know what he's going to do is going to be good, regardless of my circumstances. So Paul looked for and he found the positive in the negative situation. Have we learned to do that? We need to do that as well to turn nasty things over to God 
and then look for the positive? Or do we just see problems only and negatives only? Do we fail to see how God is transforming the things around about us for His purposes? We need to be doing that. Are we opportunity seekers? Or do we just look at the difficulties of life? Every problem has an answer. In every problem there's an opportunity for us to seek God, work out what His will is, and do it. Live it out. So that's the first thing. Paul had lost his freedom. Not only that, he was the victim of continuing spite and envy. See, evangelism and preaching has, was being built up because Paul was in prison and people were being motivated to share the gospel. Have a listen to how they do this. This is fascinating. Verse 15. He says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in change. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preached. And because of this, I rejoice, says Paul. That's amazing. Paul's in prison, and people are motivated to share the gospel. Some with sincere motives and others are spiteful. They're trying to hurt Paul in some way by preaching about Jesus. What does Paul think about those who are gloating over their own freedom? I can preach. Paul can't. Ha! See? God doesn't love him after all. He's in jail. But I'm free. And I don't know what they were saying. He doesn't give us enough clues. But somehow they're preaching about Jesus. And he says he rejoices in that. These are surprising words for a man who believed that motive was very important. He said he rejoiced in all this. Amazing. Paul says as long, just as long as the name of Jesus is being proclaimed in some way, God can use that. Even if these preachers are preaching from false motives. Paul can see a much bigger picture, can't he? So often we don't see the big picture. We say, oh, look at that person, they're nasty so-and-sos. Paul sees the big picture. He's taking a God perspective on things. Maybe this is speaking to you as well. You might be the victim of envy and jealousy and spite and rivalry. Maybe someone said something about you that's not true. That happens often. And, or they've done something to hurt you. That happens often too. But there's a principle that we need to affirm, and we need to affirm it over and over again. The principle is this. It's not just what happens to us that makes us or breaks us. Rather, it is our attitude to or our response to what happens to us that makes us or breaks us. That's not just the thing itself. It's how you are responding. Now, how are you going to respond as a Christian person to the difficulties that you are facing day by day? As you think about your difficulties, your set setbacks, your rejections, what's your thinking like? Is it healthy thinking or is it unhealthy thinking? Is it positive or is it negative? Is it healing or is it damaging? Paul was able to say in Romans 8, 28, he says, God works all things... How many things? All things together for the good of those who are, who, 
for the good of those who love him. That's fascinating. There's a proviso. God works things together for the good of those who love him. If you love God, God can use the circumstances of your life for good. I know I love God. I know that bad things happen to good people as well. But I know despite that, God can use my circumstances for his good, for his purposes, for the kingdom, much bigger than me. The Apostle Paul, he saw God's hand and God's love in all situations. God had used the humiliation of prison, the spite and the envy of others to work good things for Paul and the gospel message that he loved so much. Have we come to that place in our lives as well where we can see God's loving hand in all things? All things. Or do we somehow think that God doesn't really care because life is difficult and painful at the moment? God still cares. He hasn't changed. God is love, constantly. He hasn't changed. We need a bigger perspective. It amazes me how, how people go through exactly the same tragedies in life and, and some turn away from God and yet others in the same circumstances turn to Him for strength and perspective. The same tragedy but a different attitude with a different result. Yeah, that's the key. Your attitude is really key. And the challenge is not whether a terrible thing has happened to us, but rather it is what's our attitude now? We can't change our circumstances, but God can help us change our attitudes. We can change our attitude to those who hurt us. We can get our thinking right. God's able to bring to us a greater dimension of wholeness than we could ever th have thought possible. What I've been learning to discover now is for me repentance is very important. I need to keep coming to God and asking the Lord to, to, to forgive me for the wrong attitudes I've happened about what's happened in the past and ask Him to show, to show how to recognize His love in all circumstances. Because like you, I've gone through difficult times, hard times, painful times, and it caused me all sorts of issues and mental problems. Until I got to the place of saying, Father, you're God. I know you love me. I know you've got a plan for me. You promised to prosper me and give me a hope for the future. That doesn't always mean, by the way, a full wallet. Okay? Prosperity is so much bigger than money in your bank account. But as I got to thinking about that and got myself off my, off my focus, off my circumstances, got my eyes back on God, He got me back on track. He got me back in ministry again. He got me preaching the Word. And I believe the anointing is as strong as it ever was. And that's very humbling to us to recognize the Lord's hand even in painful situations. And we'll find that often our grumbling and our complaints about our lives is actually grumbling and complaining against God because He's still overseeing. He's still God. He hasn't changed. And we're grumbling, complaining about the circumstances that we're in. Well, let's not throw it in God's face. He's blessing us in some way. We just can't see it just yet. Let me look at an incident from, from Mark's Gospel to illustrate how we need to look beyond our present situation and to thank God for what He's already done. In Mark chapter 8, uh, verses 22 to 24, 
there's a story about some people who brought a, a blind man and, and begged Jesus to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and, and led him outside the village and he spit on the man's eyes. And then he put his hands on him. And Jesus asked, do you see anything? And the blind man says, he looks up and he says, <clears throat> I see people, but they look like trees walking around. And this is fascinating for me, this particular instant gospel. Because you think, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. Why wasn't it an instant, miraculous, wonderful, perfect healing? But it was a part process. The man received part of his vision back. He could see-ish. Right? He could see, but people look like trees. It's like, well, you know, take your glasses off and everyone's like a tree at the moment, right? So the blind man, he could have said, Jesus, you're an imposter. I look to you for healing, but I still can't see properly. However, he looked beyond the fact that he was still not completely healed. He looked to the good that he already had received, and he affirmed the positive thing that had happened. He says, I can see people, but they look like trees. So there was reality. There was positive. I can, actually, well, I can see, but not properly yet. So he, he affirmed the good in the midst of the bad, because I'd be looking for complete 2020 vision, wouldn't you? From Jesus especially. But as he, as he affirmed what he had received, he opened himself to receive some more from Jesus. Because in Mark chapter 8, verse 25, it says, Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I love that. Clearly now. He's able to receive more of the healing that Jesus had for him. It seems to me that sometimes we don't get the fullness of the blessing of the Lord in our lives because we're not grateful for what He's already given us. We're still complaining and grumbling. And this has application on a number of different levels. For example, did you know that conflict sometimes happens in churches? It does. But we need us that you go like, oh, why? What's going on here? But we need a Paul's perspective. We say, okay, hang on a second. All right, so stuff's happening. We've got some, some awkwardness, some difficulties between us. But is Christ still being preached, number one? Yes. Praise God. If so, good. No matter what our circumstances, if Christ is still being preached, great. Let's go on. Let's see the big picture because it could be that God in His providence is moving us around a little bit and shaking things up and says, look, I need to have some changes happening around the place. I'm going to move this one that way and that one over there and I'm changing things around a bit for my purposes. So we need to broaden our sphere of influence. Let's face it, Christ and His glory is all that really counts. The way we're looking at it individually is very coloured most of the time. So we need to have a big perspective. Is Jesus Christ being preached? Well, praise God. Whatever happens, happens. Let's get on with the big thing. But the other application, of course, is my personal life. Things happen to me personally. They happen to you, don't they? And the conflicts we've got there. Well, I still need to be saying, Lord, do I still have a purpose that I can fulfill for you? Is there still something I can do, even if I'm chained to a few square meters? Can I do something for you, Lord? Yes, I can talk to the bloke that's chained to me. That's Paul's perspective. So even in the little things that are happening to us? Can you still look for God 
and still say, God, is there still a purpose to my life? And invariably, there is. Even if all that you can do is pray, then you can pray. You can pray in the name of Jesus. You can see things happen as a result of that. We come before the throne of grace. You're not limited physically by that at all. You can be squished into a cardboard box and you can still come there. How amazing that is. So today, today I'd like to encourage you to come to God with your life and with its problems, the problems that imprison you. Most of the time we're not like Paul in a jail cell, but we're in the jail cell of our own making. And we make it for ourselves with our problems that fence us in. So bring to God the people who've hurt you or who are hurting you and ask God to show you the positive in this. Get God's perspective on life and then begin to thank Him. Thank Him for the blessings that you see. It doesn't matter how small. Start thanking God. Go back to the attitude of gratitude we had last week and see God working in the circumstances of your life, no matter how small it is, and then you will discover the small blessing you have received will become a bigger blessing. You'll see God moving. He'll touch your life some more. There'll be more healing for you in your circumstances, in your life, whatever it is. Let's get our attitude right to the problems that we face, the circumstances that we come across, each one of us. I don't know what else to say about this passage this morning, but I would like to pray. Would you join me? Father, today, today we need to come before you and first of all to ask for forgiveness for wrong attitudes that we often have to, about, to things that have happened to us in our past and things that we're facing even right now. Father, I ask for each one of us that you would show us how to recognize your love in all circumstances and in any circumstances. Because we know, Father, as Christian people, that you work all things together for the good of those who love you. And Father, we want to say in the name of Jesus, we do love you. So help us to see that you are working things together for good. And even if we can't see the big picture yet, enable us to praise you for the small things we see so that we might be open to receive more from you. Help us to get our perspective right, Father. And also to keep our perspective on the kingdom. What's happening for the kingdom? Can we see a kingdom perspective in our lives and in the lives of others and in the circumstances that we face so that we might be free, Father, to praise you constantly, no matter what, and to see your kingdom come with all of its power and all of its glory in each of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name.